Good morning, gardeners. This is Louisa Pringle Cameron from Charleston, South Carolina, with my new gardening podcast, The Charleston Gardener. you all to know that I try, I really do try to get most of the plants from the nursery out of their pots and into the ground on the same day that they have been brought to their new home. But it's like dieting. I make the same resolve over and over, year in and year out. And the result is that I have lost plants, not pounds. Unless it's necessary to nurse them a bit, your new plants have probably been ready for quite a while to flourish in their new locations. Here is what I should be doing. First, I need to assess the entire garden and write down a list of what I might specifically look for at the nurseries and plant centers. I often visit more than one on a big outing. Do I need a shrub in a bare spot against a wall or some tall perennials? Where do we need color or contrast? Have we lost a much beloved plant which needs replacing? What about edibles? There's a lot to consider. And that's after deciding what just needs to be moved around in the garden or given away. I need to set aside time to dig out the roots. There are always roots from the trees surrounding our walled-in city garden. Put in soil amendments and carefully prepare the area for planting before dangerously indulging in a trip to the garden center where everything is tempting and I tend to overbuy. This will make planning the pleasure it should be instead of a frustrating chore. It's easy to pull out your phone and take several pictures to help with choosing plants while at the nursery, and I'm not sure why I don't do it more often. One of our most successful plantings occurred several years ago in late winter when I took a picture of a forlorn afternoon sun-baked bed and showed it to the staff at Hyams Nursery Center on Folly Road. I had never planted foxgloves en masse, but when I showed them pictures, that's what they suggested would work well as annuals in that location. Not only did the dozen or so foxgloves I purchased bloom all spring, they were healthy and grew enormous and dropped enough seeds that a few plants continue to pop up in the bed every year. Now we plant them annually and not always in the same place. Foxgloves mix well with larkspur, roses, stock, and tall spring bulbs. I do have to pull them up all by mid-June, as the leaves always get rust and the plants wilt pitifully in the summer heat and humidity. Most of our nine-foot walls are covered with fig vine, ficus pumilla, which gives a good medium green background for staggered height plantings, but admittedly is a chore to keep trimmed. The fences surrounding the back of the garden are painted a medium green, which makes the area look larger and much softer. But back to unloading your plant purchases at home. Have you ever turned over a flimsy six-pack and had the plant fall out leaving the delicate roots left in the bottom of the cell? If I cannot tell that the roots are well established, I now either let the cell pack sit in the shade in a shallow pan of water for a day or two, or I use scissors to cut open the plastic and carefully ease the plant into its allotted space. 
My grandfather taught me to mud in new plantings with the hose, filling the hole before placing the tree, shrub, or plant. And a friend taught us that when we're given pass-along plants, to let them sit in the shade for a week or so and keep them evenly watered until they look healthy and established. You can always ease them out a bit from their pots to check on the root growth. Most new transplants need to be monitored carefully for moisture. New shrubs and trees need to be watered almost daily for a good three weeks, especially if it is hot and dry weather. It's difficult to tell how much water is too much water, but a quick dig with a trowel will tell a lot. Sometimes the season just isn't right for optimum planting, and you have to heal in certain plants. Healing in is a term used in the nursery trade. It simply means to dig a V-shaped trench larger than the roots or the pot that the plant comes in, lay the plant on its side with the top leaning out of and against the side of the trench, cover the roots well with soil, and keep it watered until you are ready to move the plant. The trench should be in a shady spot, especially in summer. A good example would be the bargain purchase of a good-sized hydrangea that's in bloom. July is not a favorable time to be planting shrubs, so the hydrangea might benefit from being pruned and healed in in a shady spot until fall. One word of caution, though. Be careful not to let the plant become root-bound if it is left in its pot. Your local nurseryman can advise you whether a midsummer purchase or a winter purchase should be healed in until it's the best time to plant. Bare root plants ordered from online nurseries will often benefit from this treatment. Be sure to first soak them in water for a few hours or even overnight. Daylilies are often shipped bare root and it is especially important to soak them. Speaking of pot bound, sometimes you can gently tug on a nursery specimen and see if it's badly encircled by its own roots or if the roots are spilling out from the bottom of the pot. In such cases, you may want to select a different plant from the group or ask the staff about root pruning the specimen if it will benefit the plant. However, I often rescue plants from sale racks at the big franchised garden centers if I'm pretty sure that they can be revived or rejuvenated. A serrated knife is my favorite tool for slicing through a mass of roots. It has taken me years and years to train myself not to buy plants in August, but just the other day I visited a roadside stand and found a mislabeled fern that has broader leaves than most and a lovely full pot of the Verbena bonariensis that I've been keeping on my radar for over a year. I can grow the tall, loose purple verbena in North Carolina. In fact, it pops up in sunny spots on the gravel drive in front of the house, but it has died each time that I've brought it back to Charleston. It is now sitting in the shade, and I'm waiting to find a spot where I know it will get a daily eyeing to make sure it's thriving. The fern will be potted and kept on the porch out of direct sunlight until I can identify it and determine whether or not it is hardy in our climate. I love ferns, and even though I have a handbook on them, I am woefully inept at identification. A recent attempt at a fernery in a protected spot near an outdoor table and chairs did not prove successful. I think that the soil will have to be greatly enriched with a lot of compost. And a bit of advice. Check several times to make certain that you are not importing scale, mites, fungus, weeds, 
or harmful insects with your purchases. It's a good idea to have a staging area where you can examine your plants closely. If it's not too hot, you might want to spray certain trees and shrubs with an organic oil such as neem oil or dormant oil if you suspect there may be a problem. We are still pulling weeds that spread rapidly from the soil of a truckload of small potted shrubs we purchased from a local wholesale nursery, and we had to destroy several young Circus trees and cherry trees due to imported borers. The plant of the week is the lovely sky blue plumbago. Plumbago auriculata, which was brought to America from South Africa, is a semi-hardy, woody perennial that adds clusters of beautiful blue flowers to the hottest spots of the garden. In zones 9 to 11, plumbago is fully hardy. It can be gently trained up arbors or walls, is easily pruned, is drought resistant, and is also available as a white cultivar. The blues can vary quite a bit. Blooming from summer to fall, it is a staple in the southern garden. Be warned, however, as it is mildly toxic. Plumbagan, a quinone, can cause contact dermatitis. There is a ground cover plumbago, Serratostigma plumbaginoides, or the hardy leadwort, which blooms in the fall and tends to produce a deeper blue flower and leaves that turn burgundy as winter approaches. It can be grown in zones 5 through 9 and grows 8 inches to 10 inches tall. I want to thank you for joining me today, and our cat just joined us too, if you could hear him meow, and I hope that you will continue to listen to the Charleston Gardener on a regular basis. The website at www.gocharlestongardener.com is a work in progress, and I will be adding material to it soon. And thank you, Daniel Patrick, for helping me with new podcasting equipment and for your enthusiastic support. As Benjamin Disraeli remarked, how fair is a garden amid the trials and passions of existence?